0: Open your Bibles with me to Psalm 27. I had planned, uh, I mentioned last week that I was going to do something on the birthmarks of a Christian from 1 John, and just the Lord has just moved me in a different direction. I was reading this week in the book of Psalms, and Psalm 27, it just jumped out at me. And so I want us to go through this text. And I think that when, um, oh, even in the middle of the summer, Lots of people have lots of decisions to make, lots of things going on in their lives. I don't know if there's anything better than to stop, take a minute, and focus on Jesus Christ. And we're going to do that. So let's look at Psalm 27. And I want you to see some things that the Lord is. The Lord is. Look at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Is that a great verse? So let's look at some things that the Lord is. The first thing that we see is that the Lord is light. He is light. The Bible says that in in John 1, 5, that Jesus is the light of the world. You know, that there's going to come a time when we don't need the sun anymore because Jesus Christ is in the world. Isn't that awesome? He is the light. So he is the light. But here's the question. Is he the light of your life? What do you live by? Do you live by the light of the world or do you live by the light of Jesus Christ? And that is the question, and that's that whole concept of taking off the world's glasses and put on, putting on biblical glasses. This world is a dark place, but in Jesus, there's no darkness at all. That is a wonderful hope and a wonderful promise for us. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 7, if we, follow, or, if we follow Him, we walk in the light as He is in the light. Isn't it better to walk in light than in darkness? Um, I wish, and maybe sometime we can, um, young people especially, I wish that you could hear the testimonies of some of the adults in the room who at one point in their life walked in darkness. Now they're walking in light. If you could know the, the things that they wish you would never have to experience, that's what walking in the light does. You know, one of the problems is some of us, we have to experience it for ourselves, right? Have you ever had somebody, they say, here, taste this, and you taste it, and they say, it's awful, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, have you ever had that? I, I was eating a steak the other day that didn't taste quite right, and so I wanted Laura to take a bite, and she wouldn't do it. She said, I'll smell it, but if it doesn't taste right, I'm not going to eat it, um, some of us, and it's a sad thing, we, we have to experience it for ourselves when someone else could have experienced that for us. It's so much better to follow our Savior, Jesus Christ, as He is in the light, so are we in the light. You know, there's so many other ways to think about that. I know sometimes, because I, especially I have addressed it to the young people, but when we think of walking in the light as opposed to walking in darkness, we can think of behavior right as walking in the spirit and not walking in the flesh now is that a biblical concept we need to think about we're supposed to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh part of walking in the light is seeing the world through the light of Jesus Christ so this whatever it is that you're experiencing at that moment what is Christ what is Christ's perspective on my situation how do I find that from Scripture? How do I interact in the world? How do I look at this? You know, I love seeing these little children come into the world. You know, Sam has her little one here today. How old? Yeah. A week and a half. That's new. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful that this child gets to have a mother that's walking in the light? It's, it's such a wonderful thing, so that is, let 's move on. I I, mean, I could spend the whole service on that. Um, John 8:12 says, "As we follow him, we have the light of life, the light of life. He lights our lives. Do you realize how many people their life is just dark? That Lincoln Park singer just killed himself, killed himself. Why? Because his life was dark. Now, let me just put a little parenthesis here. Um, And I don't know anything about that guy. So this parenthesis would exclude him. I would imagine if he killed himself that there was some depression there. Um, Is there someone here, and you would say, I don't know that I've ever really struggled with genuine depression. Is there anyone here that would say that you've never really struggled with it? Those of us who haven't, we can't comprehend what those who do go through. Um, that's darkness. That's darkness. And it can be, a, it's a physical reaction. So let me just say a couple of things. If you struggle with depression, um, you need to go to the doctor. All right? Sometimes people get hyper-spiritual. You know? And, well, you just need to get right with God. well, you know, if you've got a headache, you take, do they say, well, you have a headache? You need to get right with God. No, there are physical, there can be physical causes to depression. Go to the doctor and then make sure that you're getting enough sleep. Make sure that you're eating right. There There are things that can help you physically with that depression. Now, There are some folks that it's beyond that and medication is required. There's nothing sinful about taking medication to help that. There is nothing sinful about taking medication to help those things. It's a physical problem. And God has given physical uh, answers to researchers who study God's creation and find cures for some of the results of the fall. So if you need that medication, take the medication. Amen? Amen. Now, once you have all of that stuff handled, now you have the capacity to deal with it spiritually. See, one of the problems that we have is we try to make decisions with broken decision makers. Have any of you ever been down and made a bad decision because you were down? You ever made a bad decision when you were mad? Of course, that's never happened to me. (laughs) You ever made a bad decision when you were hurt? Don't make a decision with a broken decision maker. So when you're in that darkness, when your life is in that darkness, you need to get help. Now, I hope that you'll have spiritual counsel all the way through that, right? But get your physical things in order and then you're more ready to handle the spiritual aspect of it. So now that you've got your body right, now you've got to get your spirit right, and now it becomes a choice. Am I going to live in the darkness or am I going to live in the light? Now, for those of us who live in the light, I've got a pretty positive outlook on life. It would be hard for me to understand people who, who live in that other side of the world. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? But those of you who are in that, it is still a choice for you. When you find yourself in that negative place in the world, what does the Bible say? Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Think on these things. You ever found yourself thinking on something that's not lovely? You know, like killing somebody? (laughs) Right? You've got to change the way that you are thinking. Choose to live in the light. I love the passage in Colossians. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. What does that mean? That means you can choose how you feel. That that means you can choose what you're going to love. That means you can choose how you're going to walk in this world. And look at Psalm 27.1. And this has got to start. The Lord is my light. He is my light. So Jesus Christ is a light. Not only is He a light, but look at what it says. A preacher that can't preach, Psalm 27, one needs to get another job. All right? The Lord is my light and what? My salvation. How many of you the Lord's your salvation? Amen. Amen. You see, because He's the light of the world, because Jesus Christ came into the world to be that light. Look with me. Keep your place in Psalm 27. Go to John 1. John 1, look at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So you see that capitalized word, that's Jesus. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the what? The light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So look at verse 9, it continues, talking about Jesus. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But to as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And when you do that, here's what happens. Which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So Jesus Christ is not only our light, but He is our salvation. He gives us the way of salvation by showing us Himself. He is my light and my salvation. I like what Luke 20 or I'm sorry what Luke 2:30 says, and remember the, the Simeon was was excited that Jesus was going to be born, and he says, "Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, mine eyes have seen thy salvation Acts 4:12 neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. he's our light, and he's our salvation. Are you saved today? Um, uh, I, I, am, uh, I, I think I'm a little bit different preacher now because of how I saw Brother Wiley deal with our young people. And oh, by the way, I spoke to him yesterday and he said to say all, to hello to all you all. <laughs> so, um, Just that simple question. When you look back, do you, do you remember receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you remember repenting of your sin and trusting in His death, burial, and resurrection alone for your eternal life? Can you look back? You don't need to know the date or the time. All right? Uh, You just need to remember what happened. If you can't remember what happened, you need to make sure that you're saved. Is He your salvation? Is He your salvation? I love it. Let's go back to Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I love this. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Um, I'm not a fearful person. Uh, I told Lydia. I think I, I. don't know if I told you all this, but I was telling her I want her to marry a, a big guy that can take care of her. You know, and she's probably looking at me thinking, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Well, I've always been a big guy in a little man's body. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm that little Chihuahua barking at the the." Uh, the German Shepherd, you know, and the fences in between to keep him safe. Really brave going up to that fence. Um, but I've, I've never really been a fearful person. I've not been a daredevil. Man, some of you people, you'll jump off anything. That was not me. You know, we'd go to the bridge over the reservoir, and it's, I don't know, however long down. It's farther than I'm jumping. You know, my brother, he goes and jumps. And just do it once. You'll, you'll, it'll be fine. Just do it once. So I finally got the courage to do it. I did it. It didn't help. I was not doing it again. So, you know, I'm not a daredevil, but I'm not a fearful person. I don't worry about tomorrow. I don't, you know, I'm not a fearful person. But that's personality. That's not spiritual. Are you with me on that? Yeah. Some of you, you're, you're, that is, your nature is fearful. It's anxiety. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen tomorrow? You know, you'll, you'll think of something in the middle of the night. It'll wake you up and you can't go back to sleep. And you've got to make your list and care for every detail well god 's brought you to the church, you know most of you have the gift of administration and all of those types of things, and it 's wonderful that you have that. But when you get to the place where your fear is paralyzing, where you can't you 're not capable of making decisions because of your fear, because of your anxiety, that causes trouble in your life. My dad got to that place where he it, it became very difficult for him to make a decision we as he got older, how many of you know that that really happens with older folks? It can really happen so they had hail damage on their roof at the house. And insurance would have cared for it. Dad was afraid to, to call the insurance company because he was afraid that they were going to think that he was trying to take something that wasn't his, you know. So he wasn't able to care for that. That's just a small example of what people run into. So there are people that they are fearful in life in general. They're fearful about decisions. But there are people that are also fearful about their walk with the Lord. Just live in fear. Like you think God is looking at you like a bug that He's going to squash. He loves you. The best way to think about it is He became one of those bugs. Why? Because He loves us so much. The Bible says there's no fear in love. Pure love casteth out fear. I've got to tell you this. I've told you before, but my dad always told this story. There's this guy that... uh, he loved this girl, and he was afraid to tell her. And so he wanted that verse. That's 1 John 4, pure love casteth out all fear. So he wrote that down. This verse tells you everything that I, that I think about you. And he was so nervous, he forgot to write 1 John. He wrote John. And so she gets it, and she's all excited. She looks it up, and it says, Thou hast had four husbands, and the man you're living with is not your husband. <laughs> that 1 that John is really important in that passage. The text says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You know, last week at camp, I'm really thankful for the decisions that you young people made, whether getting saved or getting the assurance of your salvation, making a commitment to the Lord. Um, But once you've made that commitment to the Lord, once you've asked Jesus Christ to save you, Remember, that's that's a biblical term. Uh, He says, uh, "...for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day." When you commit your life to Jesus Christ, and this isn't just for the young people who were there last week. This is for all of us. When you ask Jesus Christ to save you, when you commit your life into His trust you no longer need to be afraid of your eternity. You can't lose it. You cannot lose your salvation. Just like you can't be unborn, you can't be unborn again. Amen? Your mom may be able to kill you, but she can't unbirth you. (laughs) Here's the deal. When you're born again, you are a living soul that will live, that spirit will live for eternity. So look, again, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? So there's two concepts here that I want you to think about. The first one is, He's my light, so I I know how to see. I know how to perceive all of this information. He's my salvation. I understand I can't save myself. I really don't even participate in it. I just receive it. Does that make sense when I say I don't participate in it? There's nothing I can do. To earn my salvation. I just receive it. He is my light. He is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? What, what fear do you have in your life right now? What fear do you have? You need to live without fear. And then why? One of the things that we run into is just that idea of I can't do it. This Christian life, being a representative of Christ in the world... All the things that God wants me to do, I can't do it. I don't. I just don't think I can do it. That's why the Bible says the Lord is the strength of my life. Because you're right, you can't do it. And, you know, there are folks, I'm sure there's some folks in this room, who you're pretty good at being a witness. I mean, just naturally, you're pretty good at it. But you'll get to the place where that human ability ends. You'll get to the place where you say, man, I'm up against this need. I just don't know what to do. And I know all of us experience that. We're, we're in the workplace. We're trying to be a representative for Christ. And it's so interesting. Um, has anyone here ever been mocked because of your faith? Anyone here that's ever happened to you, been mocked because of your faith? What's amazing is how often one of those people that has been mocking you will come to you with a problem. And often, it's a problem that you don't have any idea how to solve. Right? So, God has given you the strength to put up with the mocking, but you get to the place where you don't have enough strength to solve their problem. You need the Lord. You need the Lord for that. You need biblical wisdom for that. Uh, let me, again, this is another one of those parentheses. I don't think I ever closed the last one, but we'll just assume that last one was closed. Um, One of the things that will happen is people will come to us with problems. They want us to solve it. And as a pastor, um, I've experienced this a lot, and I know that many of you have also, especially those of you that have your lives put together. Somebody that wants to have their life put together who doesn't, they come to you and they they want advice. And they want you in a 15-minute, 30-minute conversation to fix something that took them 30 years to mess up. Where every decision they're making is a bad decision. How many of you ever worked with somebody like that? I don't mean in the workplace. I mean you've been trying to help somebody like that. They're almost incapable of making a good decision. Well, the first thing that needs to happen is the Lord needs to become the light of their life. Until they get saved, they're not able to receive the things that'll cure their problems. Right? There there are. We are not um, life coaches. We're ministers. You know, Anthony Robbins can tell them how to have power in their life. That's kind of a cross between Jesse Ventura and uh, Anthony Robbins. But what we have to do is we have to, when we're dealing with these people, you're going to get to the place, as you're trying to be a witness and live for the Lord out in society, where you say, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know how to help this person. Well, you need to understand that the Lord is your strength. You moms, you ever get to the place where you say, I don't know if I can do this? There are so many demands on moms. Just And especially if you're work, you work outside the home, there's so much pressure on you in so many areas. You get to the place where you say, I don't know if I can do this. Dads, you know, like Jacob's getting ready to go to school, Lydia's in school, and... Money, um, so give to the building fund and to the altar college fund. There's the, you know, there's just pressure that comes on you from all sides. Many of you are in those positions, whatever stage you're in life. You have those, all of those issues. And you get to the end of your strength. Anybody here ever get to the end of your strength? Ever get to the end of your strength? Look at what it says, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the what? Strength of whose life? My life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's just look up a couple of verses. Look at Romans chapter 5. One of the problems in evangelism is getting people to realize they need to be saved. Would you all agree with that? Look at Romans chapter 5. Look at verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me. We, we, didn't have, we don't have the capacity to save ourselves. We were without strength. Jesus Christ came and died for us. We were the ungodly. He did that for us. When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 6. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. What does that mean, exalted above measure because of the abundance of the revelations? a third of the New Testament God gave to the Apostle Paul. So basically everything we do at Grace Baptist Church, we learn from Paul. Think about that, right? Do you think you could get puffed up? So look at what he says. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Um, Do you know that some people can't Handle success. Have you heard about lottery winners? What happens in their lives? The majority of them, their lives are destroyed. Why? Because they can't handle it. They can't handle the wealth. And here's what we think. Well, I'd like to try. (laughs) Be honest. How many of you thought that? Seriously, how many of you thought that? Like three honest people in here. Um, And so God knew that the Apostle Paul couldn't handle that success. Isn't that interesting? And the wisdom is that Paul knew it too. God revealed it to him. And so it says this, verse 8, For this thing, that's the thorn in the flesh, I sought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. So three times he, he begged God to take it away from him. Listen to what God said to him. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Man, what did he understand? That his strength was the Lord, that the Lord is the strength of his life. I wonder how many of us have problems. How many of us, we have reached the place where our strength is weak? You young people, it could be something in, with friends at school. It could be relationships. It could be a relationship with your parents where you just need God's help. I promise you He will help you. But what you need to understand is your parents might be at their end. You need to pray for your mom and dad. You need to pray for them. And all of us, we need to realize that our strength will end and that we need the Lord's help. And He really is the strength of our life. Um, I, I think of the guy that he fell off a cliff and he caught a branch. And he's hanging from this branch all night and he's praying, God, help me. I don't want to die. Please help me. Light came up and he looked down and his feet were like three inches off of the ground. He just let go and he stood. Many of us, we live our lives as if we're hanging there and we're holding on by ourselves when he is my rock and my salvation. The Bible said, he's lifted me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on the solid rock. And yet, we still try to trust our own strength. You know, the lady, she's an old lady. She was flying to see her grandkids. She hated to fly. She said, I'll never get on a plane. She finally did. She got off the plane, and she, her son said, see, it really wasn't that bad. And she said, I never did put all my weight down. That's the way that we go through life. God is carrying us through because He is our strength, and we never put all of our weight down. I wonder if that's you today. Is the Lord your light? Is He your salvation? Are you full of fear? Are you at your strength's end? Let's read that verse out loud together. Let's go back to Psalm 27, verse 1. Let's let's all stand together. Let's read this verse out loud. Ready? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I would imagine everyone in the room has found themselves in this verse.